Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is a production of ITM Media. Good day to everyone listening to Ramblin' About Race, and whether you're on your regular podcast platform or on Burns Radio, we're so glad that you could join us this week after a eventful week of racing. I'm talking NASCAR, all three series, Formula One and IndyCar. We have a lot to cover this episode, but first and foremost, as we do on every episode, joined here by Charlie, and Charlie, how's it going, man? Going good, Matt. Glad to be here for another Great episode this week. Yeah, man. Uh, like you said, a lot of racing this past a weekend, whether that be IndyCar, F1, or NASCAR. Yeah. So we got a lot to cover this episode. We do have a lot to jump cover. right into it. Yeah. So, we, we, yeah, we have to start uh, off with our question of the week, but, but everything's going well, right? I mean, yeah, we just hey, everything's make- good. Just gearing up for our second points race of the season. Oh, okay. on, uh, Easter weekend is coming weekend. Yeah, so unfortunately, did not have the race we wanted, first points race. So hoping to rebound. Hoping to rebound pretty good second point, second points race of the season. We had a super fast car. Handling-wise is where we want it. We just had an unfor- unfortunate mishap uh, there towards the end of the race. So Yeah, let's hope that chain stays we'll on this there. time. Yeah, no kidding. So we're, we're going to get there. I'm, I'm changing all the gearing, everything, as far as that chain goes. I, you know, there may just be a bad spot somewhere. So we're, we're going to try and prevent that the best we can. I think and you will. So if we can't get, like I said, we had the fastest car yeah, by did. over a tenth, uh, over a tenth of a second there at the end of the race um, on the closing, on the second half of the race there. We just, 
could not close it out there due to some mechanical issues, but we're, we're going to get it. And I, I feel good about us getting some wins this year for sure. So good, man. That'd be great. That would be 100% great. Can't wait for that. Best of luck. Hopefully that changes and fall off here, but our question of the week, and it was a good question of the week. And I think it has maybe some relevance after what we saw in the cup race at Martinsville. Should NASCAR have two compounds of, dry, of tires, hard and soft, and should they use both of those tires during the course of the race? We were mainly leaning towards road course, but now after following the Martinsville race, I feel like both oval and road courses could hold, this This question could hold water on both of those. So I'm going to start off with you. Should NASCAR have two compounds of tires? I, I like the question. I feel like it would be a good idea, believe it or not. As much as I am a traditional, I guess, round track guy, like, hey, let's let's let them go at it. At the same time, with this the, the newer car or the way it's yep. been past couple of years, it seems like it's just green flag laps, like logging laps. There's been a lot of change, and uh, you know, let's get a couple of years with this car, and, and I don't see why we couldn't possibly implement something like that. I think it would throw a a kink into stuff for sure. Road course wise, yes, but even on your normal tracks, it would definitely throw a curveball at these teams. And I, for one, wouldn't mind seeing it to where you have to run certain, you have to run at least a hard compound, a soft compound, and maybe not the mile and a half tracks, but definitely your short tracks and road courses, I, I could see where that would play into, you know, affect a little bit because your mile and a half, I feel like everybody for the most part is going to be on the same pit strategy, but where at road courses and short tracks, you, you're going to change it up a little bit because you're, you're going to short pit or you're going to try to stretch it out a little bit to get those stage wins and then just start at the back. So, I, I could see where they could throw it in there in the short tracks and stuff, especially like Martinsville. Uh, it definitely would make Richmond maybe a little bit better race because, boy, was that a big letdown. And the short track racing this year, and this almost sounds like a squeaky wheel that we have here on the show, that short track racing has been kind of overhyped in a sense. It has been to the point where the announcers would get on there, whether it be Fox or NBC, and say, get ready for bumping and banging for 500 laps, or in this case, like last week at Martinsville, 400 laps. And we just don't see that. And, and it's hyped up to the point where I, I feel like it's almost like a prize UFC fight where they hype this fight up. It's five rounds. It's a championship fight. And then all of a sudden, you get to the fight, and it is within the first 30 seconds, the fight is over from a knockout. That being said, I, I feel like the tires, and we've seen this happen before in NASCAR. During the All-Star race, we saw two compounds of tires during an All-Star race, which, let's face it, the All-Star race is nothing but a big testing ground for NASCAR. We've seen restrictor plates at mile and a half. We've seen a lot of different things that we've seen implemented, especially in the Gen 7 car with the hood scoops and everything like that incorporated in there just from the test in the racing conditions of the all-star race and i don't think it's a bad idea at all even ryan blaney post-race during a post-race interview at martinsville saying the tires were too hard if they were softer we'd probably be seeing better racing out there and i think it throws in a good strategy for 
the teams, the drivers, especially on road courses, if you want that long race speed, you go with the hard tires and you go with the soft tires if you want that short sprint, such as maybe during qualifying. Now, I hate to take something from Formula One and Indy cars, really just open wheel racing as it is and implement it in NASCAR because it's tough to bleed over a different Yeah, because there's already, a, while you say that, there's already a, a big, I guess, stink. I don't want to say stink. That was the wrong word. But, you know, there's already that mentality from a lot of the NASCAR yeah. fans that that's what NASCAR is trying to do is, is cater to a lot of the open wheel, uh, you know, F1 fans and stuff like that as it is with this next-gen car. You know, be that as it may be, regardless of what they think, this, this next-gen car has proved to be a better car so far than in the past few years. So, yeah. hate it all you want to, it's still a better car. It is and it isn't to me. I, I mean, we've seen great racing until we got to short track racing. And it, and it's, in all- it's, it's proved better at tracks that normally stunk yeah. when it comes to racing action, but it has taken away from your normally great racing, such as yeah. Martinsville this past weekend. Martinsville and Richmond, and that's such a catch-22 that we did not see coming from the implementation of this Gen 7 car. And we're getting more into the realm of the car itself vice tires. And I, and based on the vote that we put out on our Twitter page, 80% of people said, yeah, this would be a great idea. They would like to see that. What would happen? I don't, I don't know. That's why we have a question. And that's why we have kind of this throwing around debate, whether they should do NASCAR should do it or not. And we're not a shot caller for NASCAR. We're never going to be, I feel shot callers for NASCAR, just kind of a, if we could plant the seed and say, this might be a good idea. At least take a look at it. Implement it on All-Star Weekend again, and let's see what the fans think. And if it creates better racing, because of what, the All-Star Race is going to be in Texas again this year. So I don't think they need to change really much of anything with the... No, and I think that's the wrong track to do this at. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think if you try it out and maybe do a tire test at Martinsville, Richmond, Bristol, the short tracks, the three yeah, short tracks. I would, I would think that if, if they're going to do this, they should do it at Watkins Glen. And let's be honest. Yeah. Because Watkins Glen is a great, one of the better road course races of the year. It is. I think, and if I'm not mistaken, is Watkins Glen not a playoff race? We'll double check that right now, but go uh, on with your point here. But yeah, uh, so... And if it is, I'm almost positive it is now. I, I think that would just make it even better because now not only are you just you're taking uh, it being that much more important of a race, but now you're just changing the game. I mean, now not only do you have to play the strategy of fuel, but now you got to play the tire strategy. You know, do we want to stretch this out? Yeah. Uh, do we want to start on the hard compound? Do we want to start on the soft compound, try to stretch it out, short pit, come in, take the hard compound, possibly sustain the lead, keep the lead, and hope for a caution? How, how, do, how do we do this? How do we play? I, I think it just changes the game up. And that's where it probably plays more into effect on the road courses and stuff. But I think Watkins Glen would be a perfect track to try this out because it is one of the shorter – uh, road courses. I just I, I don't think the Roval is the place to do it because that is a good race in itself right yeah. now. I think they got it going in the direction it needs to go as a race by itself 
unless something changes with this next gen car later this year. And then we'll, you know, we'll back up and punt. Yeah, and, and to your point, Watkins Glen is a race before the Daytona cutoff race for the playoffs. So it's not going to be in, in the chase for the or the playoff system that we have here this season. I think it would be great for NASCAR. It would add another layer of strategy, it would add another layer of competitiveness. And just overall, overall, I think it would produce good racing as far as the strategies and stuff. Because with the inflammation of the stage racing, you could forgo fuel mileage races. I think mm-hmm. that thing's a, a fuel mileage is a thing of the past. And the only thing that they could really work on it with that is tires. And not and I think tires could play a factor in it. Maybe ripple effect to fuel mileage, but I'm not saying it will. But I just like to see something in there because I love the fuel mileage races. And now the, that those are a thing of the past, what else can we change? Well, we could change tires. For one, see, I, I, I'm the opposite. I like the fuel mileage races when it comes to road courses because some of them guys are stretched out. I hate the fuel mileage races when it pertains to stage racing. Just just for the fact of your your stage three is so long, and we, and we could get into a whole different topic of this, and, and this could even lead into you know question of the week this week, but. I just think they got the stages backwards. I'm sorry, and especially with this this new car. I think your first stage should be the longest, if it should even be that long at all. I, I don't like how the stages are set up in any of the series. I think you know. I think your your first two stages should be fairly equal in, in length, or even your first stage be maybe a little longer, but right now, as it says, the third stage is almost half the race. I, I don't like that. I, I haven't liked it for a long time. I think it should be the first stage. Let's just say it's a 400 lap race like this past weekend. I think your first stage should be 60 laps. I think like it, they may have been, it may have been a 60 lap race. I think it was a 80 uh, lap. 80. I think it should be okay. Even if you keep it 80, like 120, 120, that would be 240, and then the 60-lap shootout or 60, 160-lap shootout. I mean, I see what you're well, going okay, at well, there. Yeah, let's just say it's a 200-lap uh, a, a race. All right, you know? that'd be easy. Uh, let's, let's go with this That's because in my head. That's how I had the math worked out. A 200-lap race, 60, 60, 40, 40. Okay, so separate it into four stages by three stages. And, and, and shorten it down and, and have more of a – Last two stage being uh, shootouts, and I also think that the top ten shouldn't be awarded stage points. I, I don't think it should be the top ten. I think it should I, be I think, if you I lead a lap. Be more to, I think it should be more the top five, or yeah, or lead a lap just like it was in the old school. But yeah, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here because the question was tires, and now yeah, we're talking I, about stage racing, which which is not a bad thing. I think they kind of go hand in hand with the overall well, I mean, the quality of, of the racing. The name of the podcast is rambling about racing. So. Yeah, you're right about that. Well, I got I got another thing to bring up to you. Let us know what you think about our question of the week this week. We'll definitely give you the this week's question of the week there at the end of the show using hashtag what do you think ITM, and I got something to bring up to you. The 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame ballot has been released. And there are some prestigious names on here, and this is kind of a debate segment here before we get into the races. Okay. But I wanted to get I, like I, want, I wanted to get your input on these, and then ask you this, ask you a question afterwards. On the modern era ballot, you have Neil Bonnet, 
Tim Brewer, Jeff Burden, Carl Edwards, Harry Gant, Harry Hyde, Matt Kenseth, Larry Phillips, Ricky Rudd, and Kurt Shelberdine. On the Pioneer ballot, you have Sam Ard, A.J. Foyt, Banjo Matthews, Herschel McGriff, and Ralph Moody. And the landmark award would be Janet Guthrie, Alvin Hawkins, Mike Helton, Lisa France Kennedy, and Dr. Joseph Mattiole. I'm, I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Okay, so there are some very prestigious names, especially on the modern era ballot, mm-hmm. like Neil Bonnet. My question is, how did Dale and R. Jr. beat them into the Hall of Fame? I mean, it's, it's a valid question. It's um, a very, I think, once I saw the list come out, it's like, how did these guys not get in within the first three years? And then all of a sudden, Dale Jr.'s name comes on the ballot, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, how did he? I also think, because a lot of it's a, a, a voted. Yeah, it is a voted vote. thing. I'm, so, and I'm sure if the fans voted and had a hand in it, Dale Jr. would would have won anyway. But I yeah, just feel uh, like Neil Bonnet. You, you go, you got. I'm not trying to stick up because I, I, I definitely see you got a very very valid point. And I'm not trying to stick up for Dale Jr. at all on this. But I guess you would have to take into some type of consideration what he's he's a good advocate what, for what, the sport. Well, yeah, exactly. What, he's a good advocate for what, the sport. Correct. And I, and I was trying to find the right verbiage, uh, and right. and I, you, you you did that for me. He, so he brings a lot of history um, to the sport. He has a great correct. podcast. He talks to a lot of people about the history of the sport and, and what's going on. He's not scared to, to speak against the sport at the same time. Right. Um, he's he, not, and he does a lot for the sport, but he's not scared to throw the sport under the bus at the same time if they right. f up. So. I guess you would have to look at that side of it too, but I'm, I'm with you at the same time. Uh, you, when you throw names like you know Harry Gant, Neil Bonnet, and all them in there, yeah, it's just tough for me to see <laughs> it, how yeah, they got I, in and absolutely they didn't. But if I had a, I think it's how many get in from the modern ballot? It's like two now. It isn't. It used to be five, but now it's two, and then one from the pioneer, and then one landmark award. If I had to guess, anybody, yeah, gonna you got to back that down. Like I, I would almost say. They they got to back that down to one. No, or something I, keep, I think my, two. I, I almost thought it was three. I'm surprised Jimmy Johnson isn't eligible yet for the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, but then I, if I had to pick, and I want to hear what you have to pick here, real quick here. If I had to pick two modern era, it would be Neil Bonnet and Ricky Rudd. Pioneer ballad would be AJ Foyt, and landmark award. It's def, It's probably going to be Mike Hilton. But if I had to pick, it would be Janet Guthrie. I would say Neil Bonnet and uh, Harry Gant. Okay. What was the names on the other ones? Uh, the Pioneer Ballad is Sam Ard, A.J. Foyt, Banjo Matthews, Herschel McGriff, and Ralph Moody. Ralph Moody would be my vote on that one. Okay. And then for the Landmark Award, it would be Janet Guthrie, Alvin Hawkins, Mike Helton, Lisa nope. France Kennedy. Nope. And Dr. Joseph, I, I'm not even going to pronounce I his name. I don't even know who that is, he to is be a, honest with a, you. So. He founded Pocono Raceway. Okay, just because he founded Pocono Raceway doesn't give you an all-access pass to the Hall of Fame. So, anyway. Pocono, uh, Pocono's great. I love Pocono Raceway. Okay, okay that's cool, but uh, it'd be one of the first two then. Uh, Janet Guthrie and Alvin Hawkins. And Alvin Hawkins is NASCAR's first flagman since he was the NASCAR's first flagman. And Janet Guthrie... As a lot of people know, is the first female to compete in NASCAR's Cup Series at a super speedway. So yeah, that kind of just blew me uh, away. I just want to get your throw input. The flag, throw the flagman in there. Okay, throw the flagman in there. So you're going, Absolutely. you're going Absolutely. with Alvin Hawkins. Okay. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hands down. I just want to get your opinion on that before we dive deep into the races. We're already about 20 minutes into this podcast and into this episode, I should say. I just wanted to get your input on that because when I saw that come across my feed for Facebook or Twitter, whatever it was, I was kind of blown away that Dale Earnhardt Jr. beat those prestigious names, some of those prestigious names in the Pioneer Series. But I just wanted to get your input on that. Charlie, before we continue on with this great episode and fun that we're having here on the show i wanted to remind everyone out there and tell everyone about there if this is their first time listening to a show about our online store at teespring and bonfire where you can find the latest and greatest rambling about racing gear such as t-shirts hoodies hats i'm wearing my rambling about racing t-shirt that i got on bonfire and so much more on both sites and not if you can't find it and you want it tell us about it and we'll make it up for you just for you so you can buy it from us and to tell everybody, whether you're at the local sort of track there at South Alabama Speedway or at the tracks such as Daytona, Talladega, Long Beach, Grand Prix, or the Australian Grand Prix for Formula One, that you are a fan and listener of Rambling About Racing and Charlie this month of April, what will be our discount code? Yeah, so month of April is a special month, of course. So, you know, Easter. Easter is a big holiday in the month of April. So we're going to go with Easter as our discount code very, this month. Very nice. And for that discount code, you're going to get 10% off of your order at Teespring and Bonfire. Links will be in the podcast description below or at our website, ramblingaboutracing.com. Go check it out. And remember, Easter for 10% off of your order from now till the end of April. Moving forward here, Charlie, do you want to cover Formula One, Indy, or NASCAR? Let's, let's do Indy because I didn't get to I didn't get to watch that race. So right. go ahead and go ahead and cover that one and then we can move on. All right. The IndyCar race, Joseph Newcarton won the Long Beach Grand Prix. It, it it was interesting to watch that race because there was a lot it was a street course, so it wasn't didn't he didn't he plant a new garden during the race? No, he did not plan a new garden. But this uh, cars did hit. I saw, a, I saw a joke about that. So. But a car did hit a lot of the gardens and uh, spectacles of that race oh, okay. track. And it was, it, it was crazy to see because in comparison to Formula One, IndyCar is the cousin of Formula One. Or Formula right. One's the Indy, uh, cousin of IndyCar. Either way you split it, they're, they're practically, they're not practically, they're not the same series, but at the same time, same concept, open wheels and fast racing, good road, good road course racing overall. Yeah. And, and seeing that, they, the cars were a lot closer that I really appreciated that I expected to see out of this year's 2022 Formula One cars. And I, we're not seeing that yet because Charles Leclerc just dominated from lights out to check her flag for the Formula One race. But it was fun to watch. I, you know, I caught bits and pieces of it until Caroline and I had to go and take care of some stuff. But Joseph Newgarden won. And Roman Grosjean finishing second. Roman Grosjean, of course, his second season in that series, in the IndyCar series, after his release from Haas after the 2020 Formula One season and that fiery wrecking ball rain. 
I think Roman Grosjean found a home right there in the old IndyCar series. Connor Daly finishing 12th. We had him on the show. And our buddy from NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson, finishing 20th. Yeah, I saw where he was 20th. So it's a good thing you didn't pick him. But I will say this, that a Penske driver did win. So you were technically right on the pick for the IndyCar race. I was definitely wrong on the F1, though. Oh, geez. Holy cow. So Formula One... Charles Leclerc got the pole, and it looked like a Max Verstappen Charles Leclerc show. It sure it did. Really I, did. I still had my hopes up. I was going to be right, and then, and again, Red Bull plagued with mechanical issues, more so to the fact of not both drivers, but the reigning Formula One World Championship of Max Verstappen, and it was disappointing to see because I wanted to see if he had anything or Max Verstappen had anything for the Ferraris and Charles Leclerc. I think he was the only one that had anything he for He really him, did. And and all of a sudden, he just went kaput. And, man, because after that, I was watching that race and I had it recorded because, of course, it started at yeah, it started midnight up. our time or 1 o'clock your time. Yeah, 1 o'clock. Man, I'm telling you, like, I started fast-forwarding through it because – the gap just started stretching out and stretching out and stretching out. And it wound up like that Ferrari just left everybody, man. Nobody had nothing for him after Max Verstappen dropped out from yeah. mechanical issues. And the last time I've seen Ferraris this dominant and this good was in the age of Schumacher and Barrichello. Yeah. I mean, my, it's been a long time. Michael Schumacher was racing. I mean, early 2000s. That's yeah. the last time I saw Ferraris ever race this well. It's good to see because I I like Ferrari. I I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of Scuderia Ferrari. But what blows me away is the the podium finished this. So you have Leclerc winning the race, my pick. So I'm going to just go ahead and straight up say that I I called the race. Sergio Perez finishing second in the Red Bull and George Russell in the Mercedes finishing third, rounding out that podium. Lewis Hamilton fourth, and in the McLarens of Lando Norris and Daniel Ricardo finishing behind Lewis Hamilton. It was a, it was a good race overall. I mean, to your point, Charlie, he did race away. Charles Leclerc raced away right. from the competition there at the end. But, it was really no battle for that position for no, first. No, but I mean, there was a lot of battles throughout the rest of the field, though. Yeah, the Haas. I mean, that was that was his race, though, from lights turning green to checkered flag. I mean that. There was nobody going to touch him. He was a man on a mission, and he he dominated that race. Yeah, and for the first time this season, Haas didn't score points with Kevin Magnussen finished 14th and Mick Schumacher finishing 13th, so Mick Schumacher having a decent run. Though, be it that, a lot of drivers fell out, like Carlos Sainz right there at the start of the race. Carlos Sainz had issues, and I thought that would plague the other Ferrari, just like we saw with Red Bull at Bahrain, where uh-huh. one affected both. That wasn't the case. One Red Bull, one Ferrari, both out. It didn't affect the other two, which is good for those organizations. But at the same time, they're not, they, they care about the podium and the wins and the points. But what happened to the other two cars? And, and I think they're scratching their head more so about that than they are about the victory. Because if you did victory, you did everything right. But if you failed to finish and even get a, get a point in the constructor for the constructors championship, I really hope this doesn't bite Verstappen at the end because he has two DNFs in the first three races. Yeah, I know it. I mean, he has a 66% dropout rate. And that and, and if you want to compete for a championship, 
you don't want that. I mean, you don't want any DNFs. You want as many points as you can, even though it's if, even if you get one point, that one point can make a difference. But to get no points for two races and being six in the standings with 25 points and Charles Leclerc already has 71 points, George Russell second carrying the banner for Mercedes, I dare say, because Lewis Hamilton just can't get a grip on this car, I feel. I don't know what's wrong with Lewis Hamilton. It's somebody else's fault, I'm sure. Whether it's a car or what have you, Lewis Hamilton's not having a Lewis Hamilton season in nope. Formula One. And I'm not upset about that. I'd like to see other drivers up there mix it up. Vice just a Lewis Hamilton show. But yeah, That was Formula One. I mean, Formula One wasn't much to write home about. I mean, a lot more... To talk about this episode, I feel, for NASCAR than anything else. Yeah, no doubt. We're going to start off with the truck race. Overall impression of NASCAR weekend, this could go either way, just based on what I've seen on social media. What was your overall thought about the weekend? Started off. Promising. That's a good term to use, promising. It, It started off promising. The truck series was somewhat what you would expect from a truck series race at Martinsville. And with William Byron racing in it, you kind of expected him to yeah. You play had a Byron factor. in it, Bush in it, everybody. You had a couple of you had a couple of Cup drivers in there. William Byron, Kyle Busch. We always talk about this. I'm not even going to beat the dead horse. We're just going to say the Cup drivers took it away from the rest of the field. I feel they mm-hmm. they took it away 100 percent from Johnny Sauter who. Although isn't racing a full season schedule, we're still race. John Hunter Nemechek's Ben Rhodes. They're taking points away from these guys. They shouldn't be. That's neither here or there. Wait, yeah, go we've back, touched on go, that. Go Can't back. Tell you how many times? Yeah, go back and listen to countless episodes we've done before, and you will hear all of our opinions. If we just go down that rabbit hole, we're just going to be here all night. Overall, not a horrible race for the truck race. Was it the race of weekend? No, but we did see a little dust up between Lawless Allen and Haley Deegan. About racing on the track? I don't know. I think that was just short track racing. I would say the one between them two was. Now, the one between Johnny Salter and her, not so much. I oh, mean, yeah, he, he squeezed her right in the wall. Right yeah, at the start I mean, of the race. he drove all over her. I, I don't know what happened there. So, she had the outside. He just drove her into the wall. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't. So, I, I mean, her night just got off to a horrible start, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah. So, And I think I think – Lawless Allen was probably the one guy who probably ran into her. I don't know really what happened on track. And just straw that broke the camel's back. That's that exactly so, it. That's exactly you know, how I feel. And she had to let it go in something. And, yeah, and Lawless was unfortunately the one who got out of the car and made he, eye He was the victim. He made eye contact uh, with her. That's the only thing I could think about. He made eye yeah, contact with her. Kind I, of, don't, don't, don't lock eyes. Don't pro- lock eyes. Yeah, probably, and he locked eyes. Yeah, probably gave her a little head nod. And, and nope, yeah. you. I yeah. want, you're, you're going down. Absolutely. But the truck race was what you would expect with a couple of cup drivers in there with William Byron winning. The Xfinity race, however, and I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time on this race because the Xfinity race was the epitome of a short track race, action-filled from start to finish. So, yep. I mean, even at the start of lap one, there was a caution because of somebody blowing up, but still somebody caused a caution on lap one. And all eyes were on Junior. I was listening to Junior throughout this show or throughout the race. It was such a good race. It backed up the hype that it met with that particular type of racing, the short track racing. That that was the hype that you want to see matched up yeah. with what the action produced on track was. Start to finish. And even then, yeah, even then there were there were moments of long green flag runs, but 
Yeah. Once it started clicking down, caution after caution after caution, bunch them back up, let them go, bunch them back up, let them go over and over again. You saw what could be for the Cup Series in the Xfinity Series and, and quite frankly, in the Truck Series as well. Now, will every race be like that? Absolutely not. You're going to have your races like that. Yeah. Next weekend could be very boring for the Xfinity Series. Yep. Are you going to have your weekends like you saw in the Cup Series? Yeah, we saw it at Richmond, and then we saw it at Martinsville. But then we're going at Bristol Dirt. Who knows what's going to happen there? And then we're going to Talladega in a couple weeks. And that's always going to be a fun race with the restrictor plate. And the. But what were your thoughts of the Xfinity race before we – dive too much because we got a lot to unwrap here for the yeah, Xfinity so Series. I'm, I'm with you. You know, the Xfinity Series, I was hoping it was going to carry over from the Truck Series, and it did for the most part. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, got off to a great start. Caution right from the get-go. I was like, boy, we're, you know, we're off to a off to a fantastic start here. Ran some laps, another caution. Ran some laps, another caution. Then we had a long green flag run, and boy, I sat there and I was like, oh, well, here we go. You know, this is it. This is the rest of the race. And then it started being caution breeding cautions. Yep. Um, it, it bunched them back up, and it made for a, a, a heck of the last 100 laps or so, I dare say. Yep. And, and a lot happened there. Uh, a, a lot happened. True Colors showed, yeah. and oh, yeah. we'll cover that here in just a minute. Let, let's just you say know, this. Definitely, definitely glad 19 Gar got his first win of the year. He's been having some crappy luck as of late. Hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that here in just a minute while while we cover some other topics. I'm, I'm going to touch on some some emotion that I didn't see. You know, while, while we're touching on all that, a lot of racing, Junior Motorsports definitely still strong. I still think they're the strongest team in the Xfinity Series, regardless of what Ty Gibbs is doing, regardless if he's won three races or not. Yeah. Being that they are a four-car team, at one point in time, all five of the junior motorsports cars that were at the Martinsville race were in the top 11. So that speaks volumes, and it says a lot of where that organization is at. Do they have the wins to show for it? No. They got one win on the season with Noah Gregson in Las Vegas or Phoenix. The, the wins are coming for that organization for sure, and – uh, all of them were just the accidents this past weekend were unfortunate events for all those cars and just typical Martinsville, to be honest with you. It, it was. And Junior Motorsports had a good show. And unfortunately, some of the cars got turned up there. But one Junior Motorsports driver in particular was up there all day and was the only one who could run toe to toe with Ty, the likes of Ty Gibbs. And that was Sam Mayer. Yeah. And I, I was watching that one the last 100 laps as well because he. Those last restarts, you know, he was 16th, 17th place, and he was charging to the front. Like, he was passing. And I was like, that car is strong. Like, he is on his way up there. Now, granted, he had to use a lot of his stuff up to get up there. But once he got there, I mean, I was like, man, that, that car is strong. Like, he is he is on his way up there. Now, granted, I, I think Noah Gregson probably had a car to compete with Ty Gibbs as well, and I know I said something to you about it, but I think when something happened there, or when, yeah, the one car, so, uh, he said to, it popped out of gear, and A.J. Allmendinger just stayed into him, or stayed into the nine car, or oh, stayed yeah. into, no, stayed into the one car, I'm sorry, and got him sideways, and that's what turned the nine car, 
And like I said, unfortunate, sure. I don't think there'll be any hard feelings between the one and nine. It's clear as day on the video. Can't help that. Uh, I'm with you. The only one on that track that I think had anything for, you know, on, on a long run that had anything for the Gibbs car was the one of Sam Mayer. And you could go one step further and say a junior motorsports car, what, regardless of who it was, Noah Gregson, Justin yeah, Allgaier, yeah. Sam Mayer. Whether it be the nine car or the, the eight car. car. And they, they were the only ones who could compete and stay toe-to-toe with Ty Gibbs, who got the pole and was dominating that race. It was just a carbon copy of, of another Richmond race, especially with the runs that they were having. Yep. Now, we fast forward to the end where cautions breed cautions, and every time there was another caution, somebody set up Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs defended brilliantly, kept the position until the final turn of the final lap where it was just all kebobble, and Sam Mayer said, checkers or wreckers, I'm going for it. Moved the 54 of Ty Gibbs, and Brandon Jones took advantage of that and won the race. Yep. Now, that's where this whole thing starts here, because if you go back last weekend, Ty Gibbs moved his teammate out of the way to win Richmond, and he said, I have one coming, although he didn't know he had one coming from Sam Mayer. He had one coming, I feel. I found out that, that Gibbs and Mayer have a history from the ARCA series. They're not exactly friends, by no means. For them to get into one one another is not uncommon, I guess. But I haven't seen Sam Mayer race anybody dirty from his short time in the Xfinity Series. And we've seen Ty Gibbs run bulldozer how many people this year so far? Not even for the win. Like, just to get to the front at the beginning of races – him and uh, who was it, Ryan, Ryan C. It was at the beginning of the race. I mean, he he pure just driving super aggressively at the beginning of the races, trying to get to the front in a hurry, trying to win everything on the first lap, as you say, and no need in it. And it come back this weekend, it beat him in the butt, and he let his true colors show that he can dish it and he cannot take it. And I, I want to say this real quick right off the bat. There is nothing wrong, with, in, in my opinion, with a driver driving aggressive. Earnhardt did it throughout his whole career, and no one batted an eye because that was the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. You do not call right. Dale Earnhardt out on his aggressive driving. And I think you can agree with me being a driver, and I think everybody out there listening to this show yes. will agree that being aggressive doesn't necessarily make you, right off the bat, be an hole. It doesn't. Now, I think... Whatever side of the team you're on, if your team gives, he did exactly what he needed to do all throughout the race, and he got it taken away from him. If you're on Sam Mayer's team, he did everything he needed to do to possibly win that race, and Ty Gibbs overreacted. And I got a clip of the interview here from post-race at Martinsville because we got to break this down because it happened fast here. The fight did. Gibbs got out of his car and so did Mayer after the race, and Gibbs hit him on the track, which is something you're more than familiar with. It's yeah. that- so you, you're talking about being aggressive and I'm, you know, I'm fine with being aggressive. I'm absolutely fine being aggressive, but you know, there, there's a time and a place on the track to do it. And the same thing happened in Pensacola, Florida in a super late model race this weekend between Chandler Smith and golly, I've drawn a blank now, but super late model race, 
And it was it was between the two back in the Snowball Derby in December. Chandler Smith moved Derek Thorne out of the way to win the Snowball Derby. The difference is, and I'm pro Chandler Smith all day long, and people can hate me for it if they want to. And I've been reading a lot of comments, and I swear these comments are from people who don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. I'm going to put it politely, but I'm pro Chandler Smith all day long on this. But Chandler Smith bumped Derek Thorne going into the turn, moved him up the track, got under him, won the race. Derek Thorne stayed into Chandler Smith coming out of turn two, stayed in him, got him sideways, still stayed in him, spun him out, and then wound up causing six or seven other cars to get wadded up in it as well. So a bunch of cars are just torn up at this point. Big difference between where you move, where you get aggressive at and where you move somebody. And I firmly believe in that. Like there, there's a time and a place to do it on the track if you're legit that much faster than them and if you're going for a win. And I think that's where, you know, Ty Gibbs is starting to make a lot of mistakes as well. So Right. And the checkered flag already flew. Brandon Jones won the race, and Ty Gibbs, as well as Sam Mayer, did not win. In fact, they finished further back than first and second, or third and fourth, or second and third, or whatever whatever position. They didn't win. On the pit road, they both got out of the cars, and Ty Gibbs approached Sam Mayer. I think you saw it, as well as everybody else out there who was watching the Xfinity race Friday night saw what happened. Now, here is the interview from Ty Gibbs, and I want you to listen to this because he I don't know if he's sitting there wondering why he's all of a sudden the bad guy in NASCAR and that everybody's starting to boo this guy, whereas he was the... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Next up and comer, we've even said it on the show. He is the next big thing here on the show. Is he the next big thing in NASCAR? Is he going to be the I, – I think he was going to – we talked about it last week, him possibly replacing Denny Hamlin further down the road, and we're not insiders, but that's a hypothesis that we have and that he could possibly go up to the Cup Series within the next two years and replace Denny Hamlin. Or replace Bubba Wallace or, at 23-11. Or replace Bubba Wallace. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless, really. Of the pipeline for this kid, he's got the whole world ahead of him. He's got his whole NASCAR career ahead of him. And I think he just labeled himself. I'm sorry. He really did, and like you said, he let his true color show. But I want everybody to listen to the interview in case they missed it. The post race interview from Ty Gibbs, the altercation between him and Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer. And then, and then we'll we'll dissect this interview. And then we'll dis- dissect it because there's a lot of key points in there. Uh, Ty, first the uh, the frustration. 
that you had on the restart and then the conversation that you had with Sam? Yeah, well, I tried to talk to him and he got all in my face. So, you know, at that point, you got to we got to start fighting. But, you know, we're, we're going to stop it right there because he tried to talk to him. Maybe can, 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 can I say something? Yeah, first? You can say whatever you want. All right, so uh, first off, Ty Gibbs didn't try to talk to anybody. Ty Gibbs got out of the car, walked up to Sam Mayer, asked Sam Mayer was trying to get his helmet off, and pretty much punched him in the chest or shoved him in the chest. I I, I thought he came up to what, him really aggressively, like he bucked what, up to what, him. What talking was there? I mean, and then he justified the fight after that when Sam Mayer went after him and it's kind of like, hey man, you want to talk? I don't know what was said between Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs. I don't think if, if Sam Mayer was smart and knew anything about fighting, control the head, control the body. I grabbed right. the helmet, shoved it up. You got control of the head, control the body. I, well, I had a Patrick Swayze roadhouse and ripped his throat out. But see, I mean, after that, you know, I was watching that, and it's like, man, Ty Gibbs approached Sam Mayer. It isn't, it isn't like they came over together and went, hey, man, I mean, what was that out there, you know? Or explain, justify your actions on the track to me. He, he knew was, what he was doing was when com- he walked over there. He kept his helmet on, which uh, the whole Twitter Shit. world exploded after that. Chicken crap. He kept his helmet on, went over there, and going back to last year's episode with Bristol and Harvick and Chase Elliott, Harvick kept his helmet on, too. He was like, take your helmet off. I think that's like one of the rules, right? Or that's one of the co- piece of the code in fighting. You yeah, take your helmet it, off. Yeah, it is. You take your helmet off and you use your helmet when you swing. Throw it out a car. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hurt, hit someone with a helmet, but at the same time, I throw it out a car. Then you have Ty Gibbs in the helmet trying to walk away. Sam Mayer, I feel like he was trying to say, take off the helmet and let's talk face to face. And I feel like Ty Gibbs sucker punched him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They weren't, hard. they weren't squared up at all. And Ty Gibbs landed a couple punches, which Sam Mayer said they didn't hurt, but he has the bruises on his eye to say otherwise. He connected. He got him a. He got him a black eye. Yeah, he he connected a few times. I mean, Ty Gibbs. But here's what I don't like about that whole thing is that NASCAR officials threw in themselves in there and and stopped the fight. And I'm a big hockey fan. I'm all about. When you drop the gloves in hockey, you know what's coming. The refs know what's coming. They blow the whistle. The play's dead, and they settle their differences right there. Whatever happened, perspired to meet that need and they meet that action on the ice, it's settled right there, and not really much else comes out of that. I feel like if two drivers, whether Xfinity, Truck, Cup, Short Track, Formula One, Indy, it doesn't matter. I feel like if two drivers have a disagreement about something and they're to that point where they need to throw down the helmet and say, we need to settle this right now, I think it would, the issue would be done there. Mm-hmm. NASCAR wouldn't have to pull any of them aside and say, quit wrecking cars, quit causing havoc on the track, quit affecting innocent bystanders in your whole debate right there, in your whole situation right there, and it would be over with. But then we saw the fight and a lot of driver and a lot of crew members and Officials got involved, and I'm not a big fan of that. I think if one person goes down, the fight's over, just like hockey. But uh, we didn't we didn't even get to the rest of this Ty Gibbs interview, so we're gonna I want to play the rest of it. I stopped it there because he said something just straight up bonkers right there. But I want to play the rest of it real quick. Get your two cents on it, Charlie. We got put in the bad position there, um, and I, the only thing I'm mad about is this. One didn't have anything. He had, you know, he wasn't gonna get past the 16 there, and I just got hit in the left rear, but. 
It's just frustrating. I just got driven the fence to the end, but you know, I was on the other side of it last week, so that's just part of it. And that right there, the reaction from the fans says it all. I think he was judged in the court of fans' opinion, which is the roughest court you could ever have in any type of sport, especially NASCAR. And you could say, you can insert any driver there. Jeff Gordon was judged in there. Brad Keselowski's been judged in there. Matt Kenseth was judged in there. And he's either going to be a very positive reaction like that, what happened to Matt Kenseth in, in, at the same track against Joey Logano, or it's going to be something like you saw right now where Ty Gibbs can dish it, but once he can't take it, he confronts someone, and it boils over into what we saw there at Barnesville during the Xfinity race. I'm sure you've been in situations like that where it's like, I felt like I was done wrong. I don't know how you, I know how you reacted one time. You went out there and hit someone, got suspended. But I'm sure there have been times where you've had to maybe wait till next week and next time you guys race and then approach the guy and go, cooler heads prevail. We need to talk about this. I don't know. But I just feel like he approached it wrong. Yeah, he's 19 years old. He's trying to make a name for himself. You're already making a name for yourself by winning races all the time. Doing very well. What? They, the statistics said 28% of the time he, he starts, he finishes, and, and he wins races. There's no, there's no doubt he's going to be winning races. So what else do you have to prove? I think his immaturity came out, and thus his true colors came out right there. Yeah, no doubt. Because yeah. I don't think even Kyle Busch, with his reputation, he's in his 30s now, getting up there in age. He wouldn't have allowed he wouldn't have allowed that to happen. Now, Denny Hamlin's a different story. We saw what he, he showed his rear end after the Martinsville race in the fall last year against Alex Bowman. I think that took away from Brandon Jones, who's in the right place at the right time and yeah, well deserved so victory. Thing, another thing I feel like took away. I'm glad you brought that up about taking away from Brandon Jones. The camera kept flashing to Coach Joe Gibbs. I didn't appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that it looked like Gibbs was disappointed that Jones won the race. I, I saw that as well, and it was it kind of blew me away right there. Where it did. I'm like your your team your team still won. Like show some type of emotion other than disappointment. I, you, right. you look like you were disappointed. Like other if your grandson didn't win, I think that just feeds right into why Ty Gibbs acted the way or acts the way he does. Because he's got his granddaddy's support. and if He's got a golden he, horseshoe up yep, his ass. He really does. And you hit the nail on the head right there. I feel like he feels like he could do whatever he wants within the organization. No one's going to say anything about it. Because if anybody confronts him about it, he's just going to tell them, tell, on, tell Grandpa that he had an issue with him. And then all of a sudden... Issues over with. So, yeah, next I, thing I you know, Brandon Jones is out of a ride. That's a astute observation right there, Charlie. Really do appreciate you pulling that up. But I mean, we can talk, I mean, we can make a whole episode out of the Xfinity race and what happened there. Yeah. We still have the cup race to talk about. For lack thereof, I mean, it wasn't really much of a race. If you no, think, it, I mean, it, it was, I mean, Twitter was mad, man. I mean, the NASCAR, I think NASCAR. And its community was upset about that. And I actually, before we get going here, before we get dive too deep into the weeds on this, you know the Grand Marshal of that race? I don't, actually. Whit Blattner was the Grand Marshal of that race, and I just wanted to give him a shout-out. He followed us on Twitter. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, great. Yeah, it was great to. I mean, he's a Kyle Busch fan. We can't hold that against him. I mean, oh. there, there are worse drivers at pool four out there right now than Kyle Busch. But hey, hey, shout out to you, Rick. I wanted to give you a quick yeah. shout out on this episode here and uh, say you did a really good job in giving the command to start the engines here. But the cup race, Charlie, I mean, Twitter wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. What do you think? I wasn't happy. You, I mean, nobody. I, I, I wasn't happy as all, at all. I mean, that that's just not a. That was not a Martinsville race. Uh, I mean, huge letdown. Long, long green flag run. I mean, why should we have to make green flag pit stops at Martinsville? You should never have to make have green ne- flag pit stops it's, at a short track. It's been a while since I've seen a green flag pit stop at Martinsville. I'm sure I've that seen it. That is stupid. But see, here's my thing. Well, first of all, I had the opportunity to go to the race. The guys from Blind Spotting invited me. There was an extra ticket that came available. And I wanted to go, ended up not going. And I was disappointed until I watched the race. Apparently, it was. And you're glad you didn't waste that day. It was apparently, it was in the 40s. It was miserably cold. There was a bit of rain that came in and out of the area. Oh, and on top of that, the racing itself there, when you. Again, it was overhyped by the commentators, by the Fox crew, and I'm sure NBCSN and NBC will do the same thing this fall at Martinsville. They'll hype up the event to the point where here's the expectation, and you want to meet that expectation or surpass it. And this weekend at Martinsville, I have never, what, four cautions? And I'm not advocating cautions. I'm If, there, if the cautions happen organically, then yeah, absolutely. But then Tuesday's cautions, you can't really count those. So really... Martinsville almost went green flag to checkered flag without a caution. Two cautions in 400 laps? I mean, what, every 200 laps there's a caution? I mean, that's not what you expect to see at Martinsville. You expect to see the bump and the bang, and you saw that at the end during overtime when they were all bunched up. That's when you saw the beating and banging. You didn't see that really, well, at least I didn't see it throughout the course of the race. It was just a dull Martinsville race, and I, uh-huh. and I think I got it here. Dustin Long, do you know who Dustin Long is? Sounds familiar. Well, Dustin Long was is a writer right now. I guess he writes for NBC Sports. He wrote this article, and I think it's very fitting to what happened, that w- what we saw at the cup race here this last weekend. And I'm just going to read you the wave tops here of the article. We're going to dissect it a little bit before we head into our final thoughts here. He starts off with the lasting image of the this weekend's action at Barnesville Speedway will be the punches Ty Gibbs threw at Sam Mayer after the Xfinity race. That will overshadow what happened Saturday, during Saturday's cup race, even with the feel-good moment of William Byron celebrating a win with his mom after a year ago she had stroke-like event at the race. It's just that Martinsville often builds it up, up in anticipation of close racing, passing, beating, and banging, and drama at the end. While Saturday's cup race went into overtime, this might have been an event that fades into the track's history. Saturday's Cup race had five lead changes among four drivers. Chase Elliott leading the first 185 laps, Byron the next 118 before green flag pit stops. He regained the lead and went on to lead the final 43 laps. And that's it. That's the summary of the race. Mm -hmm. Denny Hamlin said, I know certainly we want to put on a better product than that. After finishing 28th at an abysmal day. The combination of factors that led to this type of racing for the fans see or didn't see featured only four cautions, including two-stage break, temperatures hovering around in the 40s, and William Byron said anytime that 
It's below 40 degrees. The tires don't lay rubber. And that was a factor all night. I'll agree with that, though, man. The, the, that cold on that concrete. It was the tire wear wasn't an issue at all during that race. Ryan Blaney said, and we talked about it at the top of the show, left side tires just didn't wear. That's just kind of how it is. So I, I haven't been playing around with the softer lefts and in, or anything like that and go for it. So this kind of draws into the question of the week where we said, should NASCAR bring two compounds of tires? He's saying put on softer left side tires at Barnesville during the fall race, and we might see better racing. Mm-hmm. One more thing here. Brad Keselowski told NPC Sports that Arrow was a big problem. When was the last time you heard Arrow at Martinsville? Never. Been a while. It has never, ever entered my brain housing group that Arrow would play a factor in a Martinsville race. It's a short track. It shouldn't play a factor whatsoever. Uh, it, it does at every track. As little as you might think it does, it, it does play a, a factor. Not as much as it does maybe on mile and a half super speedways, of course, but it still does play a factor. You know, with these, these new cars, it just have, may have played more of a factor than what it usually does. I don't know. The, the racing overall this weekend was just, it was good. Subpar. It was, but for Martinsville especially, it was subpar for the Cup Series, where you would expect to see, like the article said, drama filled end, lead changes, battles for the lead. Now you're going to get the leader going ahead of you, but not by like three, four seconds. I mean, that was crazy just how fast it evolved like that. And then you're used to seeing cautions. The big storyline going into that race at the halfway point was the fact that. Daniel Suarez did something to Chase Elliott, who was leading at the time, either moved him out of the way or blocked him. And that was the big storyline. That was all Fox had throughout the course of the race until the end. Oh, green, white, checkered, anything could happen. And then there's Clint Boyer in there going, hey, man, anything could happen. Beat and bang, here we go. And even Chad Canal said that racing was horrible because of the ride height rule. Once they took that away, it just went to crap. And I don't know how true that is because we've seen some good racing from this Gen 7 car. And in years past, we've seen good racing, not just at Martinsville, but every other track. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know what NASCAR needs to do to fix it, but they definitely need to fix it. Yeah, the fall race at Martinsville better be a night and day difference between this one. Well, it shouldn't be a night race, for one. If it's a night race, I mean. Well, it, it'll be a lot hotter during the fall race yeah, there. Yeah, it will. But it was still so, cold there last year. I mean, it was still a bit chilly there last year. So it isn't like it's going to be, but it's going to be definitely warmer than it was at night here. I mean, I think you should have it a day race during the month of April because that was, that was, that looked miserable up there. I think that's something they'll have to consider before next year as well. That is a consideration for NASCAR to do next year. I think that was kind of, um, I mean, they gave something a shot or, or move it later on in the schedule where it's a bit warmer. I mean, yeah. And it's such a tough thing because you don't want well, it too I, hot, you don't want it too cold. Not only for the the competition on the track, but you, but for the fans as well. Well, yeah, I'm fine with moving it later, a little bit later anyway, because I don't like the fact that they got Richmond, Martinsville, Bristol back to back to back to back. Anyway, it's kind of like the West Coast swing. I mean, everything's happening yeah, on the West I, Coast, I, and I, and it's a logistic thing. I I feel for the cars and the drivers and the teams, but. I mean, I get your point, like intermediate, short track, road course, mile. Yeah, I mean, majority of the tracks are on the East Coast. Don't give me the logistics bullcrap. You you could schedule a few other things in between. You had Atlanta earlier. You could have scheduled Atlanta 
somewhere in between a couple of these. Yeah, good point. And then you got Talladega. You can schedule Talladega in between these. So yeah, you got to you make a great point because it used to be Ta- uh, Martinsville and then Talladega. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like short track, short track, short track, super speedway. And then you know, road course, I, road course, intermediate. I mean, just the way the schedule set up is kind of messed up. Right yeah, it, it is. It is. I don't agree with it. So, once again, we don't make the rules here at Red Bull about racing. We just uh, gripe and complain about them. That, that's 100% correct, Charlie. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, man, I mean, it was just one of those weekends where we saw some good racing in all all three major series, Indy, Formula 1, and NASCAR. We saw some abysmal racing. We saw moments where it was exciting for some and then it just gradually tapered off but that's racing man i mean it isn't going to be talladega like every time uh-uh. and it isn't going to be short track racing on saturday night at your local short track every time it's just not the way it is anymore because i thought about this i thought about just railing and ripping into nascar you just putting them on blast and doing this and that but then i thought up till this point in the schedule, we've seen some good racing. Atlanta, Las Vegas, Phoenix even was good racing. Yeah, as as questionable as Atlanta was, you know, it Change, was good racing. Yeah, changes need to be made there, I feel, but it was overall good racing. Yep. But then we get to short tracks, and now we discover a problem with the product. It's been dull. It's been boring. The, and it was it was inevitable, man. There, there was the product wasn't going to be perfect. There there was bound to be a flaw at some point in time. Now we didn't expect this because of the Coliseum race. Because I thought personally the Coliseum race was a great race. It, it, you know there was a lot of bumping, banging. The cars held up great. Tire rubbing. You know just because somebody bumped into your fender. That wasn't an issue, no, nothing like that. Great racing at the Coliseum race. And I think we expected way too much from a points race when it came to Richmond, Martinsville. And I'm really not going to get my hopes up from the dirt race this coming week. So we'll see. I don't mind the dirt race, but there again, I will get my hopes up. I'm not either. I mean, for at this point going on at short track racing, NASCAR, especially in the Cup Series, I wouldn't say this, yeah, this deals yeah. with the truck or the Xfinity Series. Yeah, because the trucks have proven to put a, a good race on the dirt before. Yep, and, and the Xfinity Series has proved that they can have a good product on short track racing. The Cup size, however, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if it's the new car or what it is. The driver's mentality, like, hey, we're up here at top, and the established drivers like your Joe Gibbs drivers, Hendrick, and everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. 
It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Just kind of lay back and let's fill this out because we only have an X amount of cars in reserve. And we don't, I, and that could be a big problem too with short track racing. The supply issue that I know 2311 are facing and Joe Gibbs are facing and Hendrick are facing where they only have one or two backup cars for four teams is probably a situation too where they're like, hey, go out there, try to win, but take care of the car too, you know? That could be it as well. I mean, I haven't even peeled back that layer of the onion and even talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely 100% right. It could very well be. And I hate to say that. Yeah, you know, I'd hate to until, use it. Until get, I hate to say, oh, we all take care of the car because parts are hard to come by. I hate to use that for an excuse for poor racing because at the same time, we're here to win championships. Man, I mean, Hendrick dominated this weekend, and if they have that – that X factor at short tracks. Well, then by all means, you have that X factor at short tracks. We saw it there at Richmond. They had a great short track rat package, and, and William Byron almost won two races in a row at Richmond and at Martinsville until Denny Hamlin with uh, fresh retires came up through the field. But we didn't see that at Martinsville. We didn't see that chasing down with five laps to go and, and passing for the win. We saw a late caution, and then Byron got in the lead and just. Had a clean racetrack for the rest of for two laps. So, to me, I mean, to me, NASCAR needs to fix some stuff, but I think that will be fixed because I think the backlash from the fans following the Martinsville race was very loud and said it at the top. The court of opinion when it comes to fans, especially in NASCAR, weighs a lot on those scales. I feel no doubt the fans are not happy with this weekend. And I, I think that they will make just adjustments accordingly because of the fans' uh, what is it uh, criticism? Criticisms, yeah, yeah. I've been correcting you a lot this episode, man. I know, man. I'm struggling. Good it's, lord, it's okay, man. I, I'm usually I'm usually on point with with the word, you know, the verbiage, but yeah. Well, I'm I'm struggling this episode. It's okay, Goodness. it's okay, buddy. But hey. Before we get into our preview of the Dirt Race, anything else over the past weekends of racing and race of the weekend? You know, one thing we didn't do last weekend that we need to do this weekend is make our picks for. We made our picks for IndyCar and F1 for wins, but we did not make our NASCAR picks win. Yeah, we did. No, we did not. I picked Sam Merritt to win the uh, Xfinity race. Who did I pick? Because I don't remember picking anybody. You picked Noah Gregson or. Uh, no, you picked the same, uh, Josh Berry. And then, and then, man, and then the, I, I do not remember that. Yeah, yeah, we made our picks, man. Okay, maybe we did. I'm sorry. Yeah, we did, man. It's okay. But yeah, I mean, race of the weekend for you, Charlie, and and wrap up before we head into our Bristol Dirt preview. Uh race of the weekend. I, I would have to say because of the number of cautions and keeping them bunched up and all that, it, it's going to be Xfinity Series, man. I I don't I don't, and not because of the fight at the end. Uh, but just because of the overall racing in general, it'd be a close battle between the truck series and the Xfinity series. But I would have to go with the Xfinity series in the end. But yeah, uh, Xfinity's a good pick, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to have to say the Formula One race did it for me only because they were in Australia. 
that's 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 a good pick too because they had been in Australia in what two years now? Yeah, two years since. I mean, they, yeah. they were getting ready to start rolling cars onto the track during the 2020 season. COVID. <laughs> yep, and they, uh, they pulled the plug. I, I like that track personally. Yeah, it was so. it was a fun track. They reconfigured it a little bit. I think it turned out great. I mean, though, be it Charles Leclerc just dominated. I would have liked to see what Verstappen would have done against him, but. Formula One did it for me. The IndyCar race was a good race that I saw from what I saw a little bit of it. Trucks Xfinity and Cup, they were good, but just not as good as Formula One, in my opinion. No, Cup Series, definitely not. That's bottom of the list. Truck Series was decent, but uh, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I didn't get to watch the uh, IndyCar race, so I'm not going to even throw that in the, in the pot. It, it would be F1 and Xfinity Series. F1 solely because... They're, they're back at Melbourne for the first time in a couple of years. And the Xfinity Series, because it was it was an interesting race. Very much so, Charlie. Good point. Okay, now we have Bristol Dirt coming up here. You spoke a little bit about it last week. We said we save it till this week. You're not really a big fan of the dirt. I think, I think what your point is, don't turn Bristol into a dirt race just for the sole fact of NASCAR. And they don't. They've run sprint cars there and late model dirts there. They time it very accordingly with the same time of the year that all the late models and other cars run their Bristol series at dirt. So it works out timing wise, but they still don't run it like a dirt race. Last year, they didn't run it like a dirt race. These cars still don't run like an actual dirt car would. So why run it? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. that's that's my thing. I think it was a good stunt last year, and they're gonna and they made changes this year. Like they're doing it at night. They're doing a lot of things different as far as the format of the race and as far as the timing I, of the I'll, race. I'll treat it. I'll, I'll I'll do it like this. I'll treat it like I did Coda. I'll give yep. it one more year. Give it another chance. I, that's I, I feel. And we'll, wanted, and we'll go from there. I'm on the but same if page I don't with you. See drastic improvement this year. Then I think it should be canned, and I think Coda should be canned all the same as well. Yep, I think I, I'm with you. Unless they redo Coda and make it the shorter track. Yeah, I think it should be that. canned. But there's no redoing the Bristol Dirt Race. Right, it's just going to have to be canned. I think if you're selling tickets for the the Bristol Night Race and you're selling out those tickets. I think you can make this race a night race as well and do just as well because of the action that you could see during the playoffs. I mean, I get it. Playoffs in regular season are completely different when it comes to that whole spiel right there. But if you look at it, I'm with you. I'm just, I'm not going to be the dead horse. I'm with you. Give it, I'll give it this year. If we don't see changes and I don't like the fact that it's being run Easter weekend, that's usually meant for family, but I don't know why they're, yeah, I, I, think, I feel I think, like it should be an off weekend. I feel like it should be the first off weekend for NASCAR. Yeah, I, I think it should be as well. And then just race it the following week. I don't know why they, they pulled that rabbit out of their hat, but NASCAR did. And and that's just – I think that's on NASCAR. I think that's why you're seeing poor sales. I think you're seeing Easter being held to a higher standard than the racing weekend. And if I had a chance to go to Bristol Dirt or celebrate Easter with my family, I'd rather celebrate Easter with my family. That's neither here or there. But I think NASCAR made a snafu decision of scheduling the race weekend. But with you, if we don't, if I don't see, if if I don't go, I can't wait till next year at Bristol Dirt. Just keep the dirt off and limit it Bristol to one race a year, maybe. I don't know. As sad as that is, I'd hate to say that, but 
That's the way it's kind of going for me. Who do you got to win in the truck Xfinity and cup race before we move on to uh, our final it should be just, I think it's just the truck and cup race. I'm almost positive. It's just yep. the truck okay. series and cup race. As I was. I should have looked at the schedule before there. Who do you got in the truck and, 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 truck and cup race here at Bristol? I'm going to go with Stuart Friesen. Okay. Truck race. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Only because he's been doing a lot of dirt racing in the offseason. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, you probably do. But Elliot's going to get his first win of the season this year. Oh, okay. Dirt race. I was expecting a Larson or a Christopher Bell. But, you know, no, they, they do a lot of dirt racing regardless. But Elliot has drastically improved his dirt racing game. And I, so I, I think he gets it done at Bristol. I think he gets his first uh, win of the season. At Bristol this weekend. Okay. I, for the truck race, I'm going to go with Zane Smith. Okay. I'm going to go with that in the, in the truck series. Now, the cup series, the low-hanging fruit tells me Kyle Larson. That is the low-hanging. That is low-hanging fruit. But I'm going to go with last year's winner, Joey Logano. I thought you would say that. I almost called you saying that. I, yep. th- I figured you would say, it's going to be the repeat winner, Joey Logano. I think it's going to be – I think if you – now, it's a totally different car. It's going to be a totally different situation. But yep. I think I think Logano act, uh, at least shows up to race there and, and, and does well. I think he does yep. well there, if not a win. But I, I think you're going to see Logano up front all night. Okay. But Fair pick. Fair pick. I, I, I thought so, man. But for the truck race this weekend at the Bristol Dirt Race, it's going to be Saturday, April 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1, and that's going to be... 150 laps around that track. And then Sunday, April 17th, happy Easter to everyone out there. Just a heads up right there. 250 laps from the Bristol Dirt Speedway Dirt Track on Fox, and that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be an interesting race regardless of it. I think everybody's going to show up, at least on TV. And if you go there, be safe, have fun. And, Charlie, anything else before we wrap up this week's episode, before we get into our final thoughts? Nope, I'm good, buddy. Let's, let's round it up. Before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud sponsor of Burns Radio, which we here at Ramblin' About Racing are a proud affiliate with. Fanatics, you can find all your latest and greatest NASCAR skiers to get you ready for this coming up season, such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, diecast, and so much more. But you don't only have to stop in there and buy NASCAR gear. I get all my latest and greatest Washington Capitals gear from there. Yeah, and not only do you get hockey gear and stuff like that, I go in there, where I get all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear. Yeah, that's right. Roll Tide, man. It's a one-stop shop for all your sports gear needs, no matter what sports you're interested in. All purchases help out. Burns Radio bring you latest and greatest content and keep us on the air to bring you guys that content through the radio. If you head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under our Partners tab, there you will find the link to Fanatics. Take you right there. Go do your shopping there for this upcoming racing season or for whatever sports you want. Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap right here. All right. Our final thoughts here on Rambling About Racing this week. Fun episode. Thank you if you showed up, if you stayed in throughout this episode. Really do appreciate you sticking around for it. We got a lot of stuff in the works here. 
And I got to say this, if you haven't already, I, I know a lot of people have signed up for our old website in the marbles.net, but I'm sure you know by now we have a new website, ramblingaboutracing.com. Go there, and if you haven't already, sign up for that email list because we are getting ready to do more giveaways. We haven't done a giveaway in a while, and I feel like our fans deserve a giveaway. Yeah, so absolutely. Make, I think it's time for a giveaway. So make sure to sign up for that. I got some stuff in the works here. We're hopefully going to give it, be able to give away, put up in the man cave, put up in the she shed, wherever you want to put yourself up. doesn't matter in your house, in your living room. It doesn't matter. I'm going to try to get some stuff here for giveaways, and I'd like to give it out to the fans. We'll definitely give them on Twitter, but we'll give double entries to those who sign up on uh, ramblingaboutracing.com. How about that? I think that's a perk for it. Yep. All, right, all right, fantasy standings this week in NASCAR or a question of the week coming up here to wrap up this week's episode. Charlie, I, I think you want to go ahead and read off the fantasy standings. All right, going into our overall league standings as of our Martinsville race. Sitting first is myself, Chuck8384, with 1,471 points. Sitting second is Matt Camper with 1,370 points. Sitting third is SMR R&D with 1,363 points. Fourth is SMR Operations with 1,362 points. Rounding out the top five is S-Blades with 1,350 points. Sitting sixth is Ogbeam 22 with 1,302 points. Sitting seventh is Summers Racing with 1,293 points. And that is our leader in the manufacturers running as well in Toyota. And sitting eighth, who has dropped drastically the past couple of weeks. So Toyota is not having a good couple of weeks there. But uh, sitting eighth is B93 with 1,290 points. Not Chevrolet, Super Sumo. 32 with 1,259. So the manufacturer between Chevrolet and Toyota is heating up there. Sitting 10th is Ford with Smoking Woody with 1,176. So the manufacturer's championship is still anybody's battle as of right now. Sitting 11th, 43 of me with 1,110. And 12th is Z Cleave 7 with 1,105. I, I didn't have a good showing in Barnesville. She sure didn't. I, I think I finished seventh half race out of everybody, so that was unfortunate for me. I think I finished first. Well, I mean, you you finished first. Yeah, you you dominated that field. You were the Chase Elliott or William Byron of that race. You you were the Charles Leclerc of that race, Charlie. It was impressive to watch. Let's just say congratulations. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Like I said, All Star break. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to get you. Okay. Yeah. All right. This week in NASCAR, we go back to 1975, April 13th. Bobby Allison runs two laps behind with 40 laps to go and scrambles back to, into contention and rides into a narrow victory in the Rebel 500 at Darlington. A crash involving David Pearson and Benny Parsons opens the door for Allison, who edges Daryl Waltrip by a car length at the finish line. And that happened April 13th, 1975, at the Lady in Black, the Darlington Speedway. And Charlie... I'm going to leave it up to you. I got a question of the week loaded up, but I'm sure you have a question of the week as well. What is our question of the week this week here for Rambling About Racing? To build off of what Matt asked last week when we talked about bringing different tire compounds into NASCAR, do you feel like it would bring a lot of heat from the NASCAR fans? You know, 
a, a lot of negative energy into the sport, so to speak. If if you feel like you're dragging stuff from the F1 world or the IndyCar world and stuff like that and trying to put that into NASCAR or trying to implement in that implement that into the NASCAR world. Do you think that would be a good idea or do you you think there would be a lot of backlash or do you think that could provide a lot of better racing? So really the question is, would it be considered uncouth to bring in something from another sanctioning body into another, from one sanctioning body into another? So would it be uncouth to bring the tire setups and the tire compound type thing from Formula One or Indy into NASCAR? Or maybe for Formula One, I should say, would it be wrong to bring in overtime or green-white checkered finishes or something along those lines from the world of NASCAR into that? Yeah, pretty much like what you said. Is it unrealistic or, you know, is it just not fair to take stuff from one motorsports realm and try to implement it into another? I think that's a fair question, especially considering we talked about tires at the top of the show for last week's question of the week. I think this question of the week will kind of build on that and move forward. And we'll definitely want to know what you think. Use your hashtag what you think ITM in response to this. I think that will do it for the show, man. You have anything else before we wrap it up? Thanks for showing up. I really do appreciate it. Preston couldn't be here. His, his Out of all things that could have happened to him, his washing machine exploded. I wouldn't even have brought it up. I'm just kind of dead. His washing machine blew up. I mean, that guy has no luck, man. I feel so bad for Preston. I wish he was here. It looked like he was coming here, and then he sent me a picture, and it's like, oh, my washing machine leaked, and there is water everywhere. It's like, if I'm buying a lottery ticket, I want Preston nowhere around me. Oh, yeah, different state. I mean, needless to say, I hope he never works on your car. Oh, no, he won't go to If Preston shows up to the track, I will load my car up and go home. I, I feel like Preston, if he touches your car, the first lap, you, you would just all of a sudden just flip. And it would be like, what happened? It would be like, oh, Preston touched the car. It'd be like where they stage one of the explosions in the for the car to flip down the highway, except right. it'd be real life, and okay. I'll probably die. Kind of like the Indiana Jones motorcycle flip. You just go ups and over. The, the, I feel so bad for Preston. Needless to say, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. The poor guy can't catch a break. Charlie, anything else before we wrap it up here? No, nope, I'm good, bud. Thanks again for being on this week's episode, bud. Thanks again for everybody who tunes in to Rambling About Racing this week. And every week to bring you what we hope to be the best race analysis and race coverage and race previews that we could. Make sure to follow Rambling About Racing on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All of those can be found at ramblingaboutracing.com. Again, make sure to sign up for our email list at ramblingaboutracing.com for double entry into future giveaways. And I'd like to thank our partners here at the show, Stand Up to Cancer and Fanatics, for all they do not only for us here at the show, but for what they do for Burns Radio and Belly Up Sports. Make sure to follow myself and Charlie on Twitter, Matt Beamer, nbeamer22 on Twitter, and Charlie, Chuck8384 on Twitter. For Charlie Herkus, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again. Stay safe, and we'll see you after the Bristol Dirt Races.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.